1: Welcome to your week three episode of No Fall Weddings, the podcast from the Fans First Sports Network college football feed. I am Matt Tamanini. I am joined by always as our, what do we set, settle on? Our our chaos correspondent, Jamie Urich.
0: Chaos correspondent, sounds correct to me.
1: Also our resident Colorado correspondent. We're going to get to that because you are leading the hype train for one prime time, Neon Deon Sanders.
0: I am all in on the Buffaloes. Like if Deion Sanders wants to hire me as the team type woman, I'm ready. I'm ready for
1: it. Let's do it. What we do here on No Fall Weddings is we run through the entire slate of college football action on any given weekend. And we tell you based off of which window what game you need to be paying attention to. It won't necessarily always be the most obvious big-ticket marquee matchup, although those are in there as well. We will kind of dig down and find the games that are going to be the most intriguing and things that you need to keep an eye on. So, Jamie, we're going to start first with the games that happened before Saturday. Not a ton here, so we'll just kind of run through them really quickly. Bethune-Cookman takes on number 22 Miami at 7.30 p.m. on Thursday night on the ACC Network. At the same time, over on ESPN is Navy and Memphis. Watch either one. I mean, watch Miami. They're good. Neither one of these games is going to be all that interesting. So keep them on in the background. Uh, There will also be an NFL game happening at the same time. So you can maybe watch that on Prime Video. But on Friday, we have Virginia and Maryland at 7 p.m. on FS1. Army and UTSA at 7 p.m. on ESPN. And then Utah State and Air Force happening at 8 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. Jimmy, I will be watching that Virginia-Maryland game uh, again at 7 p.m. on FS1. It'll be interesting because Virginia has had a little bit of a struggle so far this season. Obviously, they ended their season early last year because of the tragedy of the mass shooting that happened that not only affected their campus, but their team as well. And they've come out. They've lost their first two games this season, first to Tennessee and then to James Madison in a 36 to 35 loss last weekend. But they're starting to get some things figured out. They're starting to look a little bit better. They are starting to congeal and kind of get the rust kicked off. Um, and I think Maryland's been a really fun team to watch so far this year. Again, they have not played necessarily anybody, but they've looked pretty good. So far on the season, uh, Tulia Tungavailoa has been pretty darn good, 47 of 69 for 547 yards passing, four touchdowns, and uh, has another, another rushing one as well. Been one of the most consistent, interesting quarterbacks the last few years in the Big Ten, so... Well, I don't expect Virginia to be necessarily great. I will be interested to see that hopefully they can start to piece things together and and start building uh rebuilding things after the tragedy of last year. But I enjoy Maryland. I like watching their offense. I like Tualia, so it'll be a game that I'll be tuning into on Friday night.
0: I can I can get behind that. I will be not watching on Friday night, but not because it's not a great game. It will be because I'm taking British people to the Olive Garden for the first time. (laughs) No, you're not. I am taking not one, but two British people to the Olive Garden so for the wait, first time on Friday
1: night. So what was the impetus for that? Has it, it just been like they've never been there, so they want to go because when you're there, you're family? Or or what's the rationale between why you're going there?
0: Um. Yeah, neither. But one of them grew up in Los Angeles. And Olive Gardens are few and far between here because you can get actual Italian food and other uh, (laughs) restaurants. So it's few and far between. She, for her whole life, has been like, I just want to go to the Olive Garden. Like, who will go to the Olive Garden with me? And nobody would go with her. It's just kind of been like a running theme for her life. And then my other friend who's flying in from London has never been and feels like this is a part of the quintessential American experience. And also, despite living in New York for several years, has never been. So um, we kind of decided Friday was the day that their trips overlapped. And we were like, let's take them to the Olive Garden for some fine Italian dining. Because when you're near your family, and also like, what is America good for if not bottomless breadsticks?
1: That's true. But I will just counter with red lobster cheddar biscuits. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, those to me, although I don't eat bread anymore, those to me are the Greatest things ever invented. Like, that was the thing. Like, on my, my birthday, I would make sure that we had red lobster cheddar biscuits, holidays, whatever. That was the only food item that I demanded.
0: So, the nearest red lob, and we kind of had this back and forth of like, should we take them to Olive Garden or should we take them to Chili's? Because they have also never been to Chili's. Um, Baby nearest- back
1: ribs. <laughs> Sorry.
0: The Go nearest Chili's and the nearest Red Lobster are both like pretty far out there, like about an hour drive each way. And so we just kind of felt like maybe it wasn't worth the drive, but we could do the 15 minutes to the Olive Garden.
1: Now, let me be clear. I have been to Red Lobster once in my entire life. It's just a biscuit. You can get the mix in grocery stores. So that's what we I would always demand. Uh, for. Mm. Ho- like, I don't care what we have for Thanksgiving. I don't care what we have for Christmas. I don't care what we have for any holiday. Other as long as we have Red Lobster Cheddar Biscuits, Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Um, again, I don't eat I don't eat bread anymore, but uh, they were pretty great. So
0: check them out in your local grocery store, they're yes. great game day snacks.
1: Great they really are. Really, really good. Uh, Red Lobster. If you would like to sponsor the Fans for Sports Network and No Fall Weddings, please feel free to reach out. All right, so let's get into the action on Saturday, Jamie. Not going to lie, there is is no capping here. The slate kind of sucks. There's not a lot of great games, not a lot of obvious marquee matchups. So we're going to have to get creative with our picks, I think.
0: Yeah. Now, I will say this. The pickings are slimmer than they were either of the first two weeks. But last week, there were some games that threw us for a loop. So there are perhaps games out there that no one is expecting to be good football games that will turn out to be football, good football games. That is what Matt and I are trying to predict. Of course, Um, we'll see how close we get, but some, some of these seem like surer bets than others that they might be at least remotely interesting, even if just for a half.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. Um, All right. So let's start with the noon window. We will kick things off at noon on ABC with number three, Florida State taking on the woeful Boston College Eagles. Then over on Fox, the big noon game of the week will be number seven, Penn State at Illinois on ESPN. We'll have number 14, LSU taking on Mississippi State. On the SEC network, we'll have number 15 Kansas State taking on Missouri. On the CBS Sports Network, it'll be Liberty and Buffalo. On BT, and you'll have your selection of games either Louisville and Indiana or Georgia Southern and Wisconsin. On ESPN2, we'll have Wake Forest and Old Dominion. On uh, the Big 12 network slash ESPN Plus, we'll have the football powerhouse Long Island University taking on Baylor. On ESPNU, we'll have Iowa State versus Ohio. And then uh, on FS1, we'll have North Dakota and Boise State. Again, Jamie, not a lot going on, but uh, feel free to pick whichever game you are looking forward to.
0: Yeah, so like of the options available to me, none of which would be my ideal choice if I were setting a schedule, but these are the options that we have on the buffet. So I would go with number seven, Penn State at Illinois. I... Think it's a pretty sure thing that Penn State is going to win. They have had the start that the experts predicted. I doubted, and um, I think that Drew Aller is the real deal. I think that you know he's got a seventy-eight percent completion rate, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and in through the first two, their running game looks good. They're leading the Big Ten after two weeks in terms of running. Their defense is doing a pretty decent job getting off the field quickly. I think that they've kind of reached the point where the machine is well oiled and working the way it's supposed to. And this is maybe a game where they can get a little flashy, but I also think Illinois is a team that though their defense has struggled pretty handily, they had a, they had a decent defense last season and, They just cannot get a third down stop this year. They're really having a hard time. They struggled defensively against Toledo. So I think that that's going to be their biggest challenge. But this is a team that knows how to grind. So if they can figure out how to get things moving defensively and get their defense off the field, get those third down stops, maybe we'll have ourselves a football game. Again, I still think that ultimately like Penn state is the better team. They're going to have maybe like more of a challenge than they faced in the first two weeks, but not much. So unless Penn state does something extremely sloppy and is just looking past this game, I don't anticipate it being, you know, extremely close, but I think of my options, (laughs) Illinois has the best chance to like kind of produce against a really good football team and maybe make it a little interesting. I think that um, there is a chance that this will be, like, close through the first quarter, maybe even the first half. And then I think Penn State's probably going to run away with it. But, like, I'll watch a decent half of football over four quarters of boring football.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a game where if you're looking at this slate – There is some potential for interestingness. Burt always seems to get his teams up for interesting games where nobody's expecting much of them. I don't think that they are nearly on the level of Penn State, but I do think Burt can make things interesting. I think that they very possibly could just keep the ball for as long as humanly possible and keep it out of Drew Aller's hands so that they can keep the game close, maybe a, a 10-7 to deficit going into halftime, maybe 13-7, but I think that'll be interesting. That would definitely be the one that I would go first. The next game that I'm going to talk about, though, that if I am going to watch another one, will be LSU and Mississippi State. Obviously, this is an SEC matchup. I still have LSU in my playoff, even though they lost their first game rather handily to Florida State. But Mississippi State is currently 2-0 on the season. They've not necessarily played anybody super impressive. They beat the tar out of Southeastern Louisiana 48-7 in Week 1. They held on in a fairly fraught game against Arizona last week, 31-24. to But the thing that interests me about Mississippi State is kind of what I was just talking about, the possibility that could be happening with the Illini, is that they are... A very much ground heavy team. They are averaging 221 and a half yards rushing per game. And it's one of those situations where you are decidedly the less talented team. No offense to to Zach Garnett's squad, but if you can keep the ball away from the opposition, you might be, you know, I have a chance to pull it off. I think Jaden Daniels, despite the fact that they lost that first game, is still a really, really good quarterback. He's thrown for 615 yards um, on 40 of 61 passing. He has six touchdowns to just one interception. He's also run uh, for 93 yards. So if you can keep the ball out of his hands, I think that you have an opportunity to to, to pull off an upset here. Mississippi State's defense is good not great they've only allowed 87 yards rushing on the season 232 and a half yards through the air again competition not nearly the same as what LSU faced in Florida State in week one so I think there are opportunities here for LSU to kind of get caught up even though that they are coming into an SEC game to kind of not expect to have to be punched in the mouth or punched in the stomach in this game. And Mississippi state has the opportunity to kind of, to kind of do that.
0: The other thing that I want to point out about Mississippi state's defense is they looked really good against Arizona. Like I think exactly you said, like they're, they're good. They're not necessarily great, but they also forced five takeaways. So if they can like really keep the pressure on LSU, they might be able to, kind of stop lsu's passing are not stop altogether lsu's passing game is strong enough that they're going to get their yards but they might be able to slow it down enough that we'll have ourselves a football game it'd
1: it'd be nice because otherwise that first window of games is a doozy is a doozy
0: if you have to get married this saturday (laughs) do it at noon
1: that's very fair very fair i
0: highly recommend that you don't get married on any saturdays in the fall but if you had to noon this Saturday is a good time. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's go into the later afternoon window. Normally I would include the two o'clock games in with that noon window, but they're a little closer to the three thirty window. So I'm going to go Weber state versus number 12, Utah on the PAC 12 network at two, the Virginia military Institute at NC state at two on the CW. Then on Peacock at two thirty, we have central Michigan at Notre Dame. Then we get into the traditional 330 window, South Carolina versus number one, Georgia between the hedges at 330 on CBS. On ABC, we have number 10, Alabama on the road against South Florida. Then on FS1, San Diego State at number 16, Oregon State, a team that I'm very high on. On ESPN2, number 19, Oklahoma faces in-state foe Tulsa at 330. On ESPN at 330, Minnesota versus number 20, North Carolina. Northwestern versus number 21, Duke at 330 on the ACC Network. On the Big Ten Network, you have two options. Western Michigan versus number 25, Iowa, or Virginia Tech and Rutgers. At 330 on CBS Sportsnet, Florida International at UConn. Then going to four o'clock on Fox Western Kentucky at number six, Ohio State, Louisiana Monroe at Texas A&M at four on the SEC network, Idaho and Cal at four on the Pac-12 network, Tulane and Southern Miss on ESPNU at four. At five o'clock, we have number eight, Washington at Michigan State, which... Could be interesting for a lot of off-field reasons, Jamie, um, at five on Peacock. And then we'll wrap it up with Northern Colorado at number 23, Washington State at five on the Pac-12 network. Also on the Pac-12 network, North Carolina Central at number 24, UCLA. All right. Again, not a ton of great games, but there are some, a, a few more interesting ones in this one, Jamie.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with South Carolina versus georgia for this window for starters we have not seen georgia face any real competition up to this point like be honest with yourselves unless you went to georgia were you watching those first two games probably not because this is the number one team in the country just like whomping on people it's not fun to watch unless you have a vested interest in the bulldogs So this is their first power five matchup of the season. And not that South Carolina is the best team they'll face all season by any means, but it is going to be a better indicator of maybe what Georgia's gaps are, if any. And here's the, here's the thing that really interests me. I think that Spencer Rattler is a better quarterback than Carson Beck at Georgia. Beck has a better offensive line, South Carolina's, Offensive line is a little dicey, and they allowed nine sacks against UNC in the season opener. It was a mess. Even without an offensive line that's like really protecting him, Spencer Radler has had a really solid season so far. Um he's thrown for 816 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. They don't have a whole lot of run game, but I think that he's the better quarterback of the two. So in a world in which a quarterback battle unfolds, if he goes off and has the absolute like lights out game of his life, there might be some life in this South Carolina team that people aren't expecting. And the other thing to consider is that Georgia's a little bit banged up right now. Wide receiver Ladd McConkey, running back to Edwards, both missed last week. We're not sure if they're going to play this week their safety, Javon Bullard's status is kind of up in the air. Um, He hurt his ankle. So they've got some potential injuries that could change the game as well. So I think, again, I think Georgia is going to win, but I think this one could be interesting up to a point. I think once Georgia kind of finds their groove, they're probably going to separate themselves, but I don't think there that it is out of the realm of possibility that South Carolina could do something crazy
1: either. So, uh, Look, we both love chaos. So if South Carolina, after losing to North Carolina in the season opener, comes back two weeks later and beats the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs, I would love that. I think that would be absolutely hysterical. So if that's what, what could potentially happen, I will definitely be tuned in. However, it will not be on the number one screen. Uh, I, I do have three TVs in my living room, but I will be watching our alma mater, the Ohio State Buckeyes, take on Western Kentucky. And you think, OK, Ohio State versus Western Kentucky, not exactly a huge matchup, a team from Conference USA. Are they really going to put up a whole, uh, much of a fight against Ohio State? Well, if you've watched the Buckeyes in the first two weeks, you think pretty much anybody can put up a fight as they... Didn't necessarily struggle with Indiana or Youngstown State because they ended up giving up a total of 10 points in those first two games, but certainly did not look like the Buckeyes that we've seen in the last two seasons. And and like I said, they didn't need to because they did win both of those games fairly handily, 20 points and then 28 points. But Western Kentucky can throw the ball, Jamie. Western Kentucky has a prolific passing attack. Uh, Austin Reed on the season already has 589 yards passing. Uh, has six touchdowns, no interceptions. They currently, uh, on the season, are 12th in total passing yards per game. But last season, they led the country in total passing yards with 4,929. Austin Reed was number one in the country throwing as well. He had 4,744 of those. Um, put that in comparison to C.J. Stroud, who was 13th, more than one thousand yards behind what austin reed did last year so ohio state's defense has primarily been pretty good against the past on on the season if not perfect because neither youngstown state or indiana did a whole lot in the passing game a lot of the struggles if there have been any for ohio state have been on the defensive line where they have not They have been burnt on the running game, but they have not really got a whole lot of pass rush at all this season. So they will have more opportunities to do that against the Hilltoppers on Saturday. Although last year, despite throwing all of those passes, they were actually 14th in the country in terms of the fewest uh, sacks allowed. They only gave up 14, one per game on the season. So Ohio State might have its hands full getting to the quarterback, even though there's going to be a lot of passing passing happened. Uh, Like I said, Austin Reed fantastic uh on the season so far he's got a number of great wide receivers led by easton messer who has 134 yards through the air already dalvin smith has 107 the guy who's third on their list in terms of both receptions and receiving yards is a young man named blue smith who five years ago started his career at ohio state He originally was at Ohio State, never actually played for the Buckeyes, had some injuries. He transferred to Cincinnati, was on their team for four years, played in two seasons, uh, and then transferred to Western Kentucky for this season. And he's already had more yards in this game than he has had in his entire college career before that at Cincinnati. So excited to see hopefully Blue have a good game, but not too good of a game. So again, Jamie, kind of like yours, I expect Ohio State to win this game and and probably to do so handily, but because of what Western Kentucky does, they do it very, very well. It could at least be an entertaining game if there's a lot of passes being thrown, balls being hurled around the field, some exciting stuff happening, and of course, if Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Ibuka, Julian Fleming at all get into the act, it could be at least an entertaining, high-scoring, exciting vertical passing game uh, contest on Saturday afternoon.
0: And you know what, Matt, like as Buckeye fans, we are entitled to that at this point. Because we didn't get that in week one the way other teams did.
1: No, we we need something like that. We need something fun. This team has not exactly been thrilling so far this year for us. It's been a little bit of a slog. So, um, so yeah, I will be tuning in to that one. All right, let's move on to the evening window, Jamie. Let's start off on ESPN with number 11, Tennessee, going to the Swamp to take on the Florida Gators. Then we will also have uh, Northern Illinois at Nebraska at 7 p.m. on FS1. Vanderbilt and UNLV at 7 p.m. on CBS Sportsnet. James Madison in Troy at 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. Bowling Green and number two Michigan at 7:30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Georgia Tech takes its rambling wreck to Ole Miss, number seventeen in the country, at 7:30 on the SEC Network. BYU and Arkansas play at 7:30 p.m. on ESPN two. Akron in Kentucky at 7:30 on ESPNU, Syracuse in Purdue at 7:30 on NBC. The Backyard Brawl Pittsburgh and West Virginia renew their rivalry at 7:30 p.m on ABC. Wyoming at number 4 Texas at 8 pm on the Longhorn Network. Uh, Over on the Pac-12 Network, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, who we talked about this game on our previous uh, episode this season, the Fame and Fortune and Everything That Goes On It podcast, they'll be taking on number 13, Oregon. Then we've also got Sacramento State versus Stanford at 8 on Pac-12 Network, Florida Atlantic and Clemson at 8 p.m. on ACC Network, and then TCU and Houston at 8 p.m. on Fox Rounds Out That Window. So, Jamie, knowing your familial allegiances, I have a feeling I know where you're going in this in the 7 p.m. window.
0: Yeah, I mean, this game, this is going to be Tennessee versus Florida. For me, um, here's the thing. I think that Florida this season is a better team than they are being given credit for, in large part because of that season opener loss at Utah. They're better than that loss. They're better than what they showed in that loss. And I think that that is going to keep things a little bit interesting. Their quarterback, Graham Mertz, has been great. In my opinion, he's doing better than Tanner Mordecai, who Graham Mertz was the former Wisconsin starter. Oops. Tanner Mordecai is now. Graham Mertz is having a better season. That's the T. So... I think that if he has time to throw the ball, which like isn't if the offensive line is going to have to really help them out there because the balls have a good pass rush. But if he has time to throw the ball, I think that we could have an interesting game. The Florida defense is also like, you know, their loss to Utah was rough, but like their defense has only allowed 270 yards of total offense in that game. And that's not, those aren't bad numbers. Now, granted, like they lost the game. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, but if they can hold Tennessee in that same way, I don't know. I think, I think that could be a challenge for Tennessee with that said, I don't think this Tennessee offense is necessarily like a dominant group of people, Um, but they are extremely efficient. They operate like a well-oiled machine There's a lot of balance between their pass game and their rush game, which is kind of wild. Fourth in the nation rushing. They had over 200 yards rushing and receiving in each of their first two games. They are really efficient on the field at getting the job done. And sometimes that's all you need to be. You don't always have to be like a flashy fireworks team. You just have to know what the job is that you need to do and then do it. And I think this Tennessee offense can do that. And I think that the added kind of intangible here is that this is a pretty longstanding SEC rivalry, and the Swamp is a tough place to play. So I yeah. think Tennessee is the better football team, but those intangible things can turn a football game. Like If Florida gets off to a good start, and Tennessee is off to a slower start than it wanted to be, and then you've got the momentum of like the fan base and the energy of the crowd behind you that can be a thing that shifts the football game. Um, I think we saw that in the Tennessee Bama game last year when Tennessee won at home. I don't know if they would have won that game if they were playing at Alabama. I think that part of that was the fans kind of carry the team all the way through to the end of the fourth. And so the Florida fans have the potential to kind of be the extra man on the field here. And um, I've got my eye on it. I'm obviously pulling for the Vols. That's, what my where my loyalty lies but i do think this florida team is active actively better than they're getting credit for and um and i think if with the fans behind them and the energy of a rivalry like we might see some exciting things all
1: right we will have to see all right so i'm gonna go with a game on the longhorn network i'm not 100 sure i have the longhorn network but i think i can stream it through ESPN Plus, maybe? I'm not sure, but I will be doing everything I can to check out the game between Wyoming and Texas. Interesting, Wyoming Cowboys versus the Texas Longhorns. Generally, in those battles, the Cowboys win. I don't necessarily anticipate that happening on Saturday night, but I am kind of intrigued as to what this matchup could hold. Wyoming comes into the game 2-0, but they beat Texas Tech, which is nice, but it was 35-33. to 33. It was kind of a crazy game. Texas Tech has not had a great season to start. Uh, but then they played Portland State, FCS team. They only won 31-17. to 17. So Wyoming, G5 school, 2-0, going up against Texas, who is coming off perhaps the biggest win for the program in five years, 10 years, maybe more. This is one of those situations where – a team that's just good enough like Wyoming could sneak up and bite Texas in the ass because they are having a letdown game after going on the road and winning in Tuscaloosa. So I, I'm, I'll i be interested to see what this looks like in terms of the energy from both teams. I have no doubt that Wyoming is going to be up for this game playing in Austin but will the Longhorns be up for this one? We, we will have to wait and see. It's interesting because this will be, at least in terms of when the Cowboys have the ball, a strength-on-strength strength matchup. They are very much balanced between run and pass, 175 yards passing per game, 170 and a half yards rushing per game. They have two guys who have over 100 yards on the ground so far this year and Andrew Peasley and Sam Scott. But on the other side... Texas does not let you run at all. They're only giving up an average of 67 yards rushing per game, and they are more than doubling that running the ball on their own for 131.5. So we talked about on Fame and Fortune that I think Quinn Ewers is rightly in the mix of the Heisman Trophy conversation early in the season. I don't expect them, even if they have a bad game emotionally, to potentially lose this game. But crazier things have happened, and in a weekend when there's not a ton of really exciting marquee primetime matchups, there's a late night marquee matchup that we'll get to here in a second, uh, I think that this one is is at least compelling enough to have on, Jamie. I, I think Wyoming is often one of those G5 schools that can do something fun now and again, and this is one of those spots where it's a little bit of a trap game. You're coming off the high of of, of beating Alabama on the road, and Maybe you just don't get up to play Wyoming and uh, they end up scaring you for a half, three quarters, a whole game. Who knows?
0: I like that pick. I think I think some interesting things could happen. And at the very least, Quinn yours will make it interesting to watch from a, from a talent perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So there are more games in the Pac-12 After Dark window. And there's really only one that I think we'll talk about, but the the games that are going to be available are Fresno State and Arizona State at 10.30 on FS1, Kansas and Nevada at 10.30 on CBS Sports Network, UTEP and Arizona at 11 on the Pac-12 Network, but at 10 p.m. on ESPN, it is Colorado State versus number 18 Colorado. Both game day will be there. Big noon kickoff will be there as well. So you're getting both pregame shows going all-in on your boy Deion Sanders. I don't know that this one will actually be a game, but it'll be exciting. It'll be interesting.
0: Listen, I, I, as as previously discussed, if Deion Sanders wants me to be the Buffs hype woman, like, sign me up. Where do I sign? I'm looking for volunteer opportunities. Um, <laughs> I think that... The, probably the most telling thing that we can go off of at this point is Colorado State season opener against Washington State, because I think that this Washington State team and this Colorado team are fairly similar in terms of their style of play, right, like both have a really dynamic quarterback, both have a defense that can create opportunities for itself um, on the field. And Colorado State had a really rough game in that season opener. So I do think that this could get ugly very quickly. With that said, I also think that Colorado State maybe now has a better idea of what they're dealing with and has had a couple of weeks to prepare. I, I think Colorado, I have been all in on Colorado from day one and I'm, I continue to be all in on them. I think they're the real deal. I think people should be paying attention to this team and you know, this, this could be a great game for them to bust out their running game and really get that going. And, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to watch the buffs this season. I love chaos and I think Deion Sanders is creating it here. It's great.
1: Yeah. like we've said before, rivalry games make everything a little bit more exciting, and this is a rivalry game. These two schools don't like each other, but it hasn't really been a rivalry that's had any juice whatsoever other than uh, amongst each other. Not No one has really cared on the outside, so having the opportunity to see a whole lot of people excited about Colorado State, Colorado uh, is fun, and it's interesting. Colorado State's not very good. So like they've only played one game this year, which is kind of crazy, but they, um, you know, like I said they they lost to uh, to Washington State and they didn't really look bad doing it on offense. Um, they had 320 yards passing, only 37 yards rushing. So we'll see if that's able to ha- to do anything against Colorado's uh, against Colorado's defense. Uh, I'm not expecting much, but I don't think it matters in terms of competitiveness. I think everything that Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter and that whole squad, Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn Jr., uh, Dylan Edwards, I think they're always going to be fun and exciting. So if they're beating the crap out of a team, I'm fine watching them run the score up like a pinball game, Jamie.
0: Yeah, I'm comfortable with that.
1: All right, that is the complete Thursday, Friday, and Saturday schedule for week three of the college football season. I am really excited, Jamie, for next weekend. There are some really good games coming up in week four. Have you looked ahead far enough? I don't even think you're going to be in the country or the continent for this, but have you looked ahead to see any games that might uh, excite you from week four?
0: Well... I mean, I have, um, I won't be in the country, which I think is probably for the best for my Mm -hmm. sanity and those who know me, because it does mean that I will be fast asleep while Notre Dame is playing Ohio State.
1: No way. Um, You're, you'll be up. You'll be up for that one. Won't you? You're not going to watch. No, I'm sleeping through it.
0: If I am, if it is, if it is like awake time, I will be napping. I'm putting myself to bed, but yeah, I think, I mean, there's some really, there's a, there are actually like quite a few really fun matchups next weekend. I'm excited about UCLA at Utah. I think Oregon state at Washington state could be really interesting. I mean, Ole Miss at Alabama is always going to be a good game. Colorado at Oregon still all in on Colorado. Yeah. I just, there's some really, I actually think Arkansas at LSU is going to be an interesting game.
1: Got Iowa Penn state as well.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, I even think like Cal at Washington could. I think Washington will win that game. We'll probably get into that next week. But like, I think Washington is going to win that game. But I think Cal could maybe keep keep it interesting. Like they're we're finally going to start to get some some choices. So this is your last opportunity to get in your ill-advised fall wedding.
1: <laughs> yeah, things get wacky. Things get wacky before week four.
0: Starting next week, people deserve to be either choosing to nap through their games because they're nervous or they're wide awake. Florida State at Clemson could be a good
1: game. Oh, yeah. I, that'll definitely be a good game. I, I think, that, you know, despite Clemson's loss already on the season, they're still a good team. And I think that, that that matchup will go a long way in determining what happens at the ACC. And I think the national championship picture. I I, I think Florida State is a... Is a playoff team, so it'll be interesting to see what actually happens with them there. I'm going to throw one more out here in week three. It was my backup game, depending on what you picked in the afternoon window, the second afternoon window. But I think Minnesota at number 20, North Carolina at 3:30 on on ESPN, could be a really interesting game. Just throwing that one out there. Um, I think their their strengths and weaknesses align in a way that could be really exciting. So if you need something else to go during that window, check that one out. Yeah. All right, everybody, that is all that we have for this week three edition of No Fall Weddings from the Fans First Sports Network college football feed. If you want to follow the Fans First Sports Network on social media, search for Fans First SN. If you want to follow me pretty much anywhere, although I don't do a whole lot of social media anymore, you can follow me at Matt. Jamie, you can follow on pretty much everywhere. It's all the same, right? Jamie Yurich.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. I'm not 100% sure. I know we've talked about this, Jamie, but I can't remember what we've decided for pods while you're out of the country, but we'll have some sort of episode of No Fall Weddings coming up next week, previewing an incredible week for slate of games. And remember, what starts with a fall wedding ends in a spring divorce.